Hi, and welcome back to Becca Babbles Podcast. I'm your host, Becca. I'm a certified personal trainer, holistic health coach, and future chiropractor on my way to figuring out this thing we called life. Now, let's get babbling. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Becca Babbles Podcast. And I just want to say, before I started the podcast, I went to go take a drink of my tea. And you know when you drink something sometimes without a lid and the water just pops back up in your face because it randomly decides to be rude like that it did that and then right before I was about to podcast and it hit me right in the face and I was like is this a bad sign should I not be podcasting right now but I'm going to do it anyways so I got water all over my face and probably because I just needed to wake up or something but in this podcast I wanted to go deep into talking about PCOS. As you can already tell, probably by the title, we're talking everything PCOS. And if you don't know what PCOS is, I will gladly define it for you. It's called polycystic ovarian syndrome. It is a genetic, hormonal, metabolic, and reproductive disorder. Very intense, I know. (laughs) Um, To be honest, I was kind of nervous about talking about PCOS just because there's a lot going on with it, but also because I have a story that goes along with it. Um, I will be releasing a podcast later about my experience with PCOS. And the reason why I was nervous sharing my story is if you didn't already know, I came out with a podcast, I think in May, last May of like 2022 talking about how I had HA and how I was trying to get my period back or like the importance of having your menstrual cycle and all that and then I later found out that I had PCOS and it was probably because I identified a little bit with having HA which again if you don't know what HA is I know I'm using a lot of abbreviations but HA is defined as hypothalamic amenorrhea. Again, another mouthful. But I had thought firmly like, okay, I have HA, that's what I have. And then I found out I had PCOS and I was like, oh my gosh, um, am I a fraud? (laughs) Um, It's all those stories that you play in your head and that you tell yourself. But as you know, I've been reading a lot about periods, menstrual cycles, and just getting more information about it, especially because I've had a history of hormonal issues, obviously. And I've been reading period repair manual, and there was like this sense of relief that I could talk about this because in the book, she talks about how HA is actually very closely linked with PCOS. And with having PCOS, it actually puts you at a higher risk of having HA. And this is usually due to not eating enough carbohydrates, being low calorie, high stress, over-exercising, lights going off all around me right now because that's what I was doing. And it just kind of allowed me to be like, oh, I can have both. And it's okay that I had both. And the reason why I'm saying this right now, because some of you guys are probably listening to this and being like, well, yeah, it's okay that you have both. You can, like, things change, things happen. But along with that, one of those stories that I was telling in my head was when I was deep in my eating disorder, 
well, I wouldn't say I was deep in my eating disorder, but I was in pseudo recovery is what they sometimes call it. But I was trying to figure out if I had HA and being in complete denial if I had it or not. And a lot of the times people who are in that denial stage are reading a book called No Period, Now What? And my number one fear about talking about this was people coming with HA wishing that they had PCOS. Because a lot of the times, and this is changing now that people are talking about it more, but when it comes to having PCOS, a lot of the times doctors or clinicians will say, oh, you just need to eat low calorie, eat low carbohydrate, and lose weight, which we will get into, into why you shouldn't do that and how that's not going to fix your issues, but that's for later. And so I didn't want anyone listening to this who has HA to be like, oh, okay, I just need to cut my calories now. Or this is like a sign that like, I shouldn't be eating more. I shouldn't be resting more. Because to be honest, I was in that place reading that book because there's a portion in that book that talks about PCOS and HA or like the difference between them. And I remember reading that book and being like, man, I really hope I have PCOS because I don't want to eat more. I don't want to rest more. When in actuality, I had both. (laughs) And like, I was going to have to do it anyways. Um, So if you do have HA or you feel like you have HA, like, I strongly, strongly recommend, like, if you are listening to this, it is not that like and you know you're not eating enough you're not eating enough carbohydrates and that you're exercising too much or people around you are telling you that it's a really good sign that you don't just have PCOS but also knowing that like losing weight is not the best option when it comes to having PCOS and just to note I did take that like progesterone test that people talk about in the like HA community and it's called Pro- Provena. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but it's basically this progestin, progestin test that you take for like five or 10 days. And to be honest, it really just shows you how deep in HA you are. So if you do bleed, then it's kind of like, okay, so you might just need a little extra support. You don't have to go like full all in, but for me, like nothing happened. And funny enough, I took that test I'm putting in air quotes because like I actually didn't know I was taking the test it was more a practitioner was telling me like hey this might help get your menstrual cycle back and I was like okay you know like you're clueless and you don't know what to do so you're like fine I'll listen to you you sound smart um by the way don't do that do your own research outside of it um so with all that being said I just I wanted to go into talking about what really is PCOS and like how to actually support your body with PCOS and then later I'll come out with a podcast talking about my journey with PCOS and how I dealt with that with like having an eating disorder background or like having disordered eating thoughts and how that might support you if that's something that you're dealing with right now. So like I said, PCOS is defined as polycystic ovarian syndrome. Funny enough, it has nothing to do with cysts. If you don't know what cysts are, they're they're like the follicles that are in your ovaries. So you have your ovaries And then you have these like people like to draw them as like little circles (laughs) and these cysts will grow 
or the follicles will grow. And then what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to burst or and then they get like reabsorbed if you don't ovulate. And this is why ovulation is so important because then the next time you come around, then you grow new follicles. But if you don't, then those follicles just kind of, or those cysts, just hang around. And so now they're defining it more as a genetic, hormonal, metabolic, and reproductive disorder. And some researchers are even thinking of renaming PCOS as metabolic reproductive syndrome because they realize that the term PCOS is making it seem like it's just a reproductive issue when really it's a whole body issue. And we'll dig into that in just a sec. So with a normal cycle, like I said, with these cysts, they will grow or the follicles will, there will be one follicle that grows. So you'll have this dominant follicle that grows and then the dominant follicle will suppress the other follicles so that all of the nutrients that you're giving your body will be given just to that dominant follicle. And this one will be the one that will be the egg and will help you create a baby. Well, then those small follicles, they're still going to hang around, but they're going to turn into what's called a corpus luteum, which is like this giant, beautiful ball of progesterone. If you listen to my podcast on hormonal birth control and understanding that, I go into a bit more about that. But just know that the corpus luteum is just this giant ball of progesterone that will make you feel calm and relax. And if you don't create this, you might be dealing with some other hormonal issues. But anyways, the corpus luteum will then create the lining for the baby if you end up fertilizing the egg. But if it isn't, then it'll just get reabsorbed into the body once you ovulate. Now with PCOS, on the other hand, you have multiple medium size or small follicles and there's no dominant follicle. And this is why, that was a weird way of saying this, this is why it's called polycystic ovarian syndrome. So if your doctor says like, hey, we're going to take an ultrasound and they're like, oh, you have all these little cysts in your ovaries. That's why they're just seeing all these medium sized or small follicles. Now, the thing is, is PCOS can be a bit complicated. Like I stated before, the laundry list of things of how it's defined just kind of shows you how complicated it is. But it's interesting that one in 10 women are diagnosed with PCOS. And with that, it's also interesting because I've been doing some other research that also one in 10 women are diagnosed with hypothyroidism. And you'll kind of understand later why that is because the thyroid is so important when it comes to the reproductive system. But PCOS is defined by a group of symptoms that relate to anovulation. And anovulation just basically means that you don't ovulate or there's lack of ovulation. And with a healthy menstrual cycle, you want that ovulation because that ovulation shows that you're creating healthy hormones, or the right amount of them. So these groups of symptoms, there's a few main ones, and then there's some few that like depends on the person. But the main ones are usually high levels of androgen or male hormones. This could be testosterone, which you probably mostly know about. 
also D-H-E-A, and Androsterile. Again, I'm really bad at pronouncing these, but I think you get the point. Just high male hormones. Another main one could be that you have irregular periods. This one's the most common and is a clear sign of an ovulation. You could also be having late or too many days of bleeding. And then you could also have high LH compared to FSH, which I know those were acronyms. I really need to just like spell out my notes instead of just putting the acronyms because then it's probably confusing for people who don't know what those mean. But LH means luteinizing hormone and then FSH is follicle stimulating hormone. And the reason why you don't want LH to be too high is because LH can then cause you to produce more of those androgen hormones to where FSH, which is the follicle stimulating hormone, would help those medium-sized follicles grow. So that's why you don't want LH to be too high because then the androgen hormones will then suppress those other hormones like estrogen, progesterone, stuff like that. Some other causes or symptoms that you could have with PCOS is excess facial hair or body hair. This is also called hirsutism. Now, if you're getting like the what they call the mustache, like the female mustache, that's like completely normal. Just sorry, you're going to have to tweeze that. I know it sucks. But if you're getting dark hairs on like your chin, your lower belly or around your belly button, if you get them on your cheeks or around your nipples, those are all places that show signs of high androgen levels. Another symptom could be hair loss or male pattern baldness. This kind of makes sense because if you're getting those high male hormones, then you're going to get male-like symptoms. Things like acne, weight gain, reactive hypoglycemia. This is when you eat and too much insulin is then released into your cells and then you have a blood sugar crash and you might feel like you're not full even though you just had a full meal or you might have things like anxiety because it raises hormones like adrenaline and cortisol and you'll get this what they define it as tense tiredness with low energy. So you might feel really tired but then you're also like, oh my gosh, I don't know why I'm anxious right now, but I'm anxious for some random reason. So that's what that is. And then the last cause or symptom of PCOS is infertility. Now I do want to highlight, PCOS does not cause pain. You should not have pain with your menstrual cycle. If you are getting pain with your menstrual cycle, this probably means that it is something else and not PCOS. Now, there are some long-term risks when it comes to PCOS. You could develop something like diabetes, and this is because it's PCOS is highly correlated with insulin resistance. You could develop heart disease. And this just, I want to say right now, this just highlights why it's so important to really work on your hormones and your health when it comes to PCOS and that it's so much more than a weight problem. Um, I just know so many girls who tell me they have PCOS and it breaks my heart when they just say, oh, I just, I need to work out more. I need to get in more shape. My doctor says I need to lose this amount of weight. And I'm just like, no, we need to like fix your lifestyle 
and like work on balancing your blood sugar because yes, you can lose weight, but in the process of losing weight, that could also be making these symptoms like diabetes and heart disease even worse. And then you're in your 60s and you're in the hospital and you're just like, oh my gosh, I lost the weight like my doctor told me, but yet I'm still dealing with these symptoms. So again, I just want to stress that like it's so much more than a weight problem, which I will reinforce over again and again and again because it's something close to me that I feel like needs to be stressed more often that your body size has nothing to do with your health and it's usually some underlying cause why your body looks that way or it's it's a way that your body is speaking to you and you shouldn't feel shame for that. That was a little side rant. So how do you get diagnosed with PCOS? Now there's two schools of thoughts and The second one that I will mention is the most common, but the first one is androgen excess and PCOS society, also known as AEPCOS, and you have to meet all three of the criteria for this. So you have to have either irregular periods or polycystic ovaries on an ultrasound. You have to have high androgens on a blood test. Most clinicians like to use a hair test. Um, or you could have symptoms of high androgens, like I had listed above with the acne, the uh, male pattern baldness, and the, what else did I not mention? Hair loss? No, I already said that. Oops. Um, the excessive hair in different places. And then you could also have other reasons for, or you have to have other reasons ruled out for having those high androgens. Now, the second school of thought is the Rotman criteria. This one's a little bit looser. And like I said, most practitioners use this, but it's where you only have to meet two of the following three criteria. So you either have to have anovulation, androgen excess, and or polycystic ovaries on an ultrasound. Now, this some Clinicians have debates back and forth on this, but there are some problems related to this because, like I had mentioned earlier, you can develop cysts in your ovaries just because you didn't ovulate. So let's say you just didn't have a cycle just recently that you ovulated in and then you have these cysts and then you get an ultrasound and then your doctor's like, oh, you have PCOS and that's the only thing that they roll out. You could have cysts in your ovaries and have an anovulatory cycle just because maybe you're over-exercising, you're extremely stressed, you're not eating enough, you're not eating enough carbohydrates, or you're lacking in a certain mineral. So it's important to note maybe not just saying like, okay, I know my last cycle, I didn't ovulate, so that might be why I have cysts on my ovaries. And making sure that you actually have those high androgens or you have that like insulin resistance-like symptoms. Now, I know I listed a ton of symptoms that you could have with PCOS, but PCOS is so bio-individual because it has that big umbrella of like what it could be and how it can be caused. And so how do you know what this is caused by? And it's interesting because a lot of people like to type their PCOS. And it was funny when I first got diagnosed with PCOS, 
this girl, I was in my hiking group and this girl had asked me, she was like, hey, are you the fertile type or the non-fertile type? Which I will go into the different types. These aren't the types, but she asked me this and I was like, um... I don't know what you're talking about. So it's um it definitely sparks up a conversation and it's like a funny thing but also a sad thing how we connected so much over having PCOS, but I feel like that happens with most diagnosis where you're kind of like, you understand what I'm going through. But I'm going to go over the different types that people like to talk about or like put themselves in boxes with. And the first one is insulin resistance PCOS. Kind of how the name states you have insulin resistance. And this is where your body is creating too much insulin and then it can't process the insulin so it gets it's it isn't as sensitive to insulin as it should be normally so it doesn't act with or understand the insulin as much and this can cause things like high androgens weight gain heart disease osteoporosis and eventually diabetes diabetes is highly linked with insulin resistance just fyi Now, the reason why this can cause PCOS is because too much insulin can impair things like ovulation and cause your ovaries to make testosterone instead of estrogen, which is really important for female hormones. Just a little FYI there if you didn't know. And it also can cause you to make more luteinizing hormone, which then in turn makes more androgens, which then in turn makes you have more of those androgen-like symptoms. So you see how this kind of like all circles back here? And then also too much insulin can lower SHBG, which is sex hormone binding globulin. And basically all you need to know with this is this goes around and grabs all that extra estrogen or androgens that are in your body and it grabs onto those and is like, okay, you got too much of this and too much of that. So we're going to take this and then like put it away so that you don't have those bad hormonal symptoms. It's kind of like the, how do, how would I put it? The policing of hormones and like it puts the hormones in jail. They're like, okay, we got too many of you. You're, you're going, that's a bad analogy, but I think you get the point. Then the next type is inflammatory PCOS. Inflammation can disrupt hormone receptors and suppress ovulation. So if your hormone receptors aren't communicating well, then you will lack ovulation or your body will think like, oh, we have too much um, androgens or I'm getting the signal that we have androgens. And this can also then cause your adrenal glands to produce too much androgens because of the high inflammation. Now, some causes of inflammation can be due to digestive problems like IBS. If you have an unhealthy microbiome, this is usually due to not having enough good bacteria strains. And so then your body isn't processing the food that you're eating as well. Then you could also have things like gut dysbiosis. When you have gut dysbiosis, this can cause you to have things called lipopolysaccharides, also known as LPS, and these will leak into your system from your gut to your bloodstream, causing you to have immune system 
activation. These are also endotoxins that can cause low-grade inflammation, and the effects of having these LPSs leak into your bloodstream, it can cause your insulin receptors to produce more insulin, which then therefore increase more androgens, linking back to all those male hormones. So just if you're not getting the hint by this point. Another thing that could cause digestive problems is that your microbiome shifts after puberty. When I discovered this, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I don't necessarily know why they're still getting research on that, but you might have had a good microbiome or good digestive system when you were before you were menstruating, but then maybe afterwards your microbiome starts to shift and then you might start getting more inflammation. And then also there's some studies that show that women with PCOS have higher zonulin cells. And this is really interesting because zonulin cells are something that people will test for to see if they have gut permeability. So that means like if things are leaking into your gut and then causing more inflammation and then insulin resistance is also shown to have, if you have insulin resistance, this is shown that you also have higher zonulin. So if you want to check if you have leaky gut that is causing inflammation, if you have those high zonulin cells, it's more than likely that you have leaky gut that is then causing that inflammation. And then what's really, really interesting is that insulin resistance plus PCOS plus if you're having less menstrual cycles means that you will have more zonulin cells, therefore then making more inflammation in your body. But some other causes for inflammation are things like smoking, environmental toxins, and this can come from like high pesticide exposure, using things like plastic products, or especially if you are heating your food in plastic Tupperware. I try and tell my dad this all the time. I'm calling him out right now, but like, please do not heat your food in plastic. You are going to do your body a favor by just using glass Tupperware, please. I know it kind of seems like a trend where everyone's putting things in glass, or you might be like, oh, it's really heavy, but your body will appreciate you, and you will appreciate yourself, or yourself in the future will appreciate it. And then another environmental toxin that I want to talk about that is kind of near and dear to my heart um, is heavy metals and mercury poisoning. If you eat a lot of tuna or big fish, please lower it. Like look for the smaller fish or try adding things in like cilantro and going to the sauna so that you're sweating, adding things in like ginger and dandelion root tea. Those will all help your body process all that extra mercury and also just making sure you're pooping regularly. Like that will really, really help. But definitely adding in that cilantro I have found has helped for me. And then also inflammation can be caused by insulin resistance. Now you might be thinking like, well, how do I know if I have inflammation? Like I don't have gut issues. Like I don't have a pooping problem. Well, inflammation is actually really interesting because it isn't always just correlated with your, with 
having digestive issues as far as pooping goes. I know I'm talking a lot about poop right now, so sorry if you're uncomfortable. Actually, sorry, not sorry. Getting a little sassy here. But inflammation can look different for everyone. And I know inflammation has been a very big buzzword recently. If you haven't already checked out in Perfectly Page Wellness's podcast on what is inflammation or I'll put it, I'll make sure I'll put it in the show notes because she did a really good podcast explaining why we need inflammation, but why it's become this big buzzword and how to know if you have too much or too little. But inflammation could also look like having unexplained fatigue, having constant headaches or brain fog. It could also be caused by or it can also show up as joint pain or skin conditions like eczema and psoriasis. Psoriasis is a big one. Now, the next type is called post-birth control PCOS. And this one can go in two different ways. Let's say you had PCOS before you went on the pill. More than likely, if you listen to my podcast about birth control, you will still have PCOS when you get off birth control. So just a little heads up there. It's not going to fix your PCOS problem. But then also the pill could cause PCOS because the pill has been shown to cause insulin resistance. So if you develop insulin resistance because of the pill, you could then therefore develop PCOS. Yasmin is also a brand of birth control that can cause a surge in androgens. So with this one, you could have temporary PCOS, but I'd still want to keep an eye on it just to make sure that everything's okay. Um, But you should then therefore have decreased androgen symptoms, but you just want to keep an eye on that. And then the last type is adrenal PCOS. Now with this one, this one's a little bit different than the other PCOSs. PCOSs, that's an interesting way of saying it. But basically with this one, you have normal testosterone, you have normal androgens, but the only androgen that is high is DHEA, and this is an adrenal hormone. And about 10% of people who have PCOS will be linked to this type. It's usually mostly due to that insulin resistance, and it's usually driven by having an abnormal stress response. And this could just be in general, or it's also been shown that if you had high stress around the times of starting your menstrual cycle or puberty that you could then develop adrenal PCOS or if you had high environmental toxins around birth or puberty this could also be you. But the thing with this that I want to highlight and that other practitioners also talk about is that they don't like typing PCOS or some practitioners don't like typing PCOS and this is a thing that we as humans like to do. We like to make things easy, which is fine, um, but also realizing that everything is interconnected. And by just saying that you're like, oh, I just have inflammatory PCOS or I just have adrenal PCOS, I don't need to be concerned about all these other things, can actually be harming you. And you, it doesn't give you a broader perspective of just speaking of you. It's kind of like when I develop a workout plan for my clients, I like to, yes, I have some main things that I want to hit. I want to make sure that they're getting in compound lifts, but let's say I have someone come to me and they can't do a barbell squat. 
I'm probably not going to make him do a barbell squat. I'm going to have a general idea of how I'm going to design a program for someone or what people need, but also taking the individual into approach and being like, okay, what do they need to work on? What do they need to support their body? And it's the same thing with PCOS. And the funny thing is, is that PCOS is so highly linked with having insulin resistance. And even if you picked it up when I was talking about the different types, having insulin resistance could then also be causing the inflammation. Or having the insulin resistance can then be causing you to have high adrenal hormones. Or it could make it easier to develop insulin resistance because you have those high adrenal hormones. So you really want to make sure that you are eating balanced meals, eating consistently, and supporting your body, and maybe staying away from just eating like pure plain carbs. I'm not saying that carbs are bad, but I'm saying making sure you pair it with something and just being informed that, hey, it may be in my best interest to not just eat an apple by itself. Maybe I need to like eat it with a chomp beef stick and that will help support my body. So it's just it's just being informed and then just not putting yourself in a box. It's good to help understand, but it's not always beneficial to like only say I'm only allowed to be this. So insulin resistance like I said can be caused by a ton of different things. Most likely it's due to like not eating regularly or having unbalanced meals, which I talk a lot about with my clients. I think I have a podcast about it. If I don't, message me or I'll check and maybe I'll make a podcast about that. It could also be due to smoking, high stress, hormonal birth control, sleep deprivation. This is a big one. If you are still saying that sleep is for the weak, I'm telling you right now, you are kicking yourself in the butt right now. Like get yourself some regular sleep, please. Insulin resistance can also be caused by alcohol, eating trans fats, unhealthy gut bacteria. I don't know why that was hard for me to say. Magnesium deficiencies, environmental toxins, and so much more. But those are kind of the main ones. But again, if you are dealing with PCOS, it is not about the weight. It is about creating those balanced meals that will support your body and support your blood sugar that will actually help with the PCOS. So if you are thinking, all I need to do is lose weight and I just need to get on that cardio equipment, I'm telling you this right now, it might be what most people think they need to do, but it's not what you need to do. And it's not probably what they need to do either. So just a little FYI there. Sometimes you got to do the different things to actually get the results. Now, there's also some other causes that could be from PCOS, and one of them could be thyroid disease. It's, like I said before, hypothyroidism. One in 10 women have hypothyroidism. Like, one in 10 women have PCOS. Hypothyroidism can impede ovulation and actually worsen insulin resistance, and this could show up as having, like, cold hands and feet. So you definitely want to get your thyroid levels checked because if you're dealing with hypothyroidism, that is going to greatly affect your PCOS. Also, if you're lacking any nutrients, a lot of diseases that people deal with are just because they're not getting the right nutrients in, and 
there is like a whole laundry list of ones that you could be dealing with with PCOS. So I'm just going to hit on some of the main ones. And the first one is vitamin D deficiency. You, your ovaries need vitamin D to ovulate. This is important. If you're sitting in your house all day and you're not getting out into the sun, probably need to take some vitamin D and you should see some improvement. Also, zinc deficiency. People with PCOS are shown to have higher levels of copper, which is great that they have this great nutrients flowing through their body, but the only thing is is that copper brings down zinc. It's kind of like a if you look at one of those scales that have two different scales, if you have really high copper, then it brings your zinc way, way down. Also note that your ovaries need zinc to ovulate. Most of these nutrients are always going to be due to like needing to ovulate. But also, if you have more oxidative stress, this means that your body is using up more zinc and glutathione faster. A lot of the times why people are lacking nutrients, especially magnesium, is because we're using it up so fast because our body is in a stress state. Also, another reason why people are lacking so many nutrients is because they're so stressed. You know, everything's just interconnected. I feel like this podcast, instead of being called PCOS, it should be called All the Interconnections of PCOS or something like that. The next nutrients is iodine deficiency. This one is a little sticky. Um, so you definitely want to get your iodine levels checked because if you have too much iodine or too little iodine, this could affect your thyroid. So I definitely recommend not just taking iodine to take iodine. Get that test first. Um, but you need iodine to ovulate. And then the next nutrients is having low serum calcium. With calcium, it's kind of like with zinc, it's bounded to, or it's linked up with another nutrient, but albium is shown to be really high in people with PCOS, and albium can then be bound to calcium, which then makes your calcium serum levels low. So that could also be a cause to why you are dealing with PCOS. And then I have three more nutrients one, I kind of already mentioned magnesium deficiency. You use up magnesium a lot when you're really, really stressed. Also, we don't have a lot of magnesium in our soil. So this one is a big one to supplement. And I'm going to say it again. I've probably said it on multiple podcasts, but do not just take magnesium citrate. If you're dealing with pooping, then maybe you should take it. But you want to make sure that you're getting different types of magnesium. But I also want to note, and this is why PCOS and other diagnoses are so bio-individual, is there can actually be shown with people with PCOS that you can have too much magnesium if you're dealing with things like acne. If you have acne, then it might be in your best interest to not take magnesium. But if you are dealing with the abnormal hair growth, then that would show that you have a deficiency in magnesium. And then the last two is lacking folate and vitamin B12. And vitamin B12 is directly linked with gut dysbiosis. So if you are dealing with some gut issues, it's probably going to be very beneficial to be taking a B12. Now, some other reasons that you might be dealing with PCOS is having elevated prolactin. Prolactin is that hormone that you create when you 
have babies and that's what allows you to produce milk and allows you to have breast milk for your baby. But this can also increase DHEA. So if you have high DHEA, probably have elevated prolactin levels too. And then this last one is you're eating too little of food or you're not eating enough carbs. I can't stress this enough. Please eat your carbs. It's important. You need carbs to ovulate. Carbs are important because it converts your thyroid hormone in your liver. So when you get your thyroid tested and your doctor shows you like, oh, here's your T4, here's your T3, and you're kind of just like, I don't know what this means. Actually, some doctors don't even test for T3. So that's really interesting because T3 is the usable form of thyroid hormone in your body. So it's important that you're making enough T3 so that your thyroid is functioning properly or that you're creating enough thyroid hormone that you can actually use. It's great if you have the hormone, but if it's not being used properly, then there's kind of no point. So you need to be eating enough carbs so your liver has the ability to produce those hormones. And then also, like I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, is under eating leads to HA. So if you're not eating enough carbohydrates, then you're probably going to be dealing with both like I was. So yay, but not yay. I know this one was a bit of a long one. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you did make it this far, I really, really do appreciate it. And like I said, next time I will talk about my experience being diagnosed with PCOS and my history going through it with an eating disorder and those eating disorder thoughts that might have popped up in my head because, you know, it happens, but it's a journey. It's a learning experience. But I just, again, want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And if you did like this podcast, I'd ask you to please subscribe. It really does help support me, but also share it with a friend or screenshot it on your social media and tag me at Becca and Wellness on Instagram and Facebook. Also, I've been trying to like convert all my people to face the, my Facebook account because for some reason my Instagram won't link up with my other Facebook, but that's a whole nother rant for later. Also leave a five-star rating review. That would also really help. And if you would like to work with me, because I'm still accepting a few clients before I start up my chiropractic program or while I'm in it, I still have some spots left or you have a topic that you want me to talk about on this podcast, you can message me on Instagram at Rebecca Ann Wellness, or you could email me at hello at BeccaAnnWellness.com. And also, just want to note, you can subscribe to my email list too. I have an email list or a newsletter, whatever you want to call it, on my website. It's also going to be linked in the description, so definitely make sure that you sign up for that because I'm putting a lot of cool content in there and really trying to dedicate to that. But I just, again, want to say thank you so much. And if you are dealing with PCOS, I put a full, whole heart, like, love out there for you. I know it can be really tough and it can be a struggle, but I promise you, you will get through it. And you, as long as you support your body and give your body what it needs, it will support you back. But with all that being said, I can't wait to babble with you next time. <laughs>